Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Happy Friday, September 17th, a day away from Georgia Tech's visit to Death Valley on TigerIllustrated.com. Right now, a must-read from Paul Strelo, his late-week recruiting insider, chock-full of in-depth stuff. Recruiting-wise, a bunch of questions from our subscribers. This is a fairly recent addition to our weekly content lineup, and it's been an absolute hit with subscribers. Feel free to become one if you already aren't. TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-458 one or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to Uptown Realty SC. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services, via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, to our interview with longtime Clemson strength and conditioning coach Joey Batson, he joined us to tell the very personal story of his open heart surgery he underwent over the summer. A lot of compelling and powerful aspects to this story, so let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, joined by Joey Batson. It's uh, an honor to 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 be here, and 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 uh, particularly allowing me to tell your story. Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a uh, obviously been a busy, busy summer for us as far as training goes and preparing the team, and then with some of the things that I had to get corrected, you know, made it a very challenging summer. But you know, we've we're kind of working our way through it, and. Um, you know, just getting stronger every day. So, I saw you in the bathroom last week. I'm like, how's how are you doing? You know, just making small talk, and then I walk out of there, and I'm thinking, I would, I, I would like to learn more about this this man's story. So I, um, I guess the the all I know is the basics. Right. And so I saw assorted. Um, I guess at one point I saw the uh, the team photo of of the guys praying yeah. for you mm-hmm. and can we just maybe just start from the beginning yeah well um my dad had a heart attack at 39 and it was a one-shot deal he didn't recover and i was about 16 
17-ish years old. And probably when I got in my early 20s, we just started tracking. And uh, I was having a checkup, you know, with cardiologists and physicals and just made it a a yearly routine. And and so, you know, everything was going along pretty good. And we had some calcium in there that we had known about for, for quite a while. And what happens is you start getting it on the valves, and then you start getting stenosis, and so it just progressively gets worse. And so about a year ago, uh, the cardiologist told me, he said, hey, you're going you're to need some uh, advanced care, and we need to find a place for you to go and get that uh, care. And I, I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, so I have some friends that are doctors and work in the business, and come to find out that means you're getting ready to have surgery and so we started looking around different places and uh, what would be best and we had some other uh, docs along the way that would kind of help us and guide us so we're you know it's just you got to make that decision where you want to go and where you feel comfortable and so you know we we made that decision and they did a phenomenal job they got me in there really quick got me got me set up to go and um, so basically I had my mitral valve replaced and I had uh, calcium there and stenosis then I had my aortic valve replaced and there was stenosis there so basically they had to go inside the heart uh, take those valves out replace them and then they had to get as much calcium out as they could which made it very very complex so it was a we went with a seasoned, uh, seasoned doctor. Uh, he'd, he'd been doing a lot of complex surgeries for years and years, and uh, met with him and uh, one time, and you know felt pretty comfortable with it. And, um, and then we went, and got through it. Stayed in the hospital seven days. I got home. There's about a six week recovery period. Uh, just kind of total rest. You start trying to work out some of the the bugs. Uh, you just you go you you experience a lot of different things. You um, one your body's trying to heal, your heart has been um, intruded upon, which it don't. It's not very happy. It likes to be left alone in its spot. So uh, when you start poking around with it, it, it gets angry. So you kind of deal with those issues, and then the meds uh, coming off. You know some of the medicine going on medicine. And the uh, kind of insomnia, lack of uh, appetite, just normal post-surgery things. It just takes time to to heal up. And so now we, I celebrated my third month anniversary on September the 10th. It's been three months now, and uh, you know we're doing very, very good. So, like I tell people, you know, that was my my life then. This is my life now. Mm-hmm. So. About thirty plus pounds lighter. Still trying to to kind of lean up and you know give myself a chance. And so uh, the valves we could have went mechanical. But we went more the biological route, which he felt like was the best way to go. For since I'm fairly young, I'm you know I was only fifty nine when I went in and was sixty this past uh, in June June twenty second. Just felt like that was my best route. What is what is uh biological versus mechanical it'd be like um 
I guess like pig valves or anything more more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get little cards. It's uh, you get a it's an identification on every one of them. So you got these little cards that come with it, like a prosthesis, you know, that they um, they implant. So I went from not getting really good blood flow to a lot more with those valves opening up, having clearance to for the blood to get from the aorta to the ventricle and back out into the um, you know to get good circulation you know all that's opened up so I do have a lot more energy you know I feel better again it's just going to take time to get confident and so right now we do cardiac rehab twice a, a week on Tuesday and Thursday and it normally lasts anywhere from an hour to hour 15 minutes so uh, that, that gives you a lot of confidence because they hook you up, they monitor your heart rate and the pressure on the heart, and they, you know, they slowly progress you. So I understand, you know, what they're trying to do in the progression side, and I told them I was a very coachable person. So uh, <laughs> I think it made them happy. Some people don't want to do what we ask them to do. I said, listen, I, I, I'm here to get better. So whatever y'all recommend, that's what I'm going to do. So Where is this? Uh, I go to uh, in Seneca, Prisma, okay. Oconee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a great, great program, and uh, the ladies there are awesome. They, uh, I mean, they care, and the yeah, only problem I have, I'm about 15 years younger than everybody in there, so I feel mm-hmm. like a teenager compared to the rest of the, the clientele. But they, everybody works hard, and uh, you know, they just really care from the nutrition side to the the mental health side of it. They got people there to to really help you with all areas and uh, uh one of the nurses was a was a georgia grad another one's a south carolina grad so i'm you know they made it a little tough on me week <laughs> one but uh, but it's been good so can we take can you take me back to when your father had his uh heart attack? He 30, had, 39 you said he was 39 uh we were uh just went to travelers rest high school it's 1977 <clears throat> we're having a great year i mean we're we're uh we're uh, we're just having a phenomenal year. A lot of us played together through little league, and it was a good group of guys coming up. I was a junior. We had a really good senior group, and we ended up winning the conference that year. And it was about my dad was running for mayor. Uh, he worked for Pepsi, uh, and he was uh, was involved in local government, and uh, we had had. It was about, I had about a game or two to go in the season. It looked like we were going to win the, the championship. And he loved football. He played it in high school at Travis Rest in the, in the 50s. He was a really good player, played a lot of different sports. And so he was excited. My mom had a little flower shop there in Travis Rest. So I uh, had two sisters. One was my youngest sister was only uh, just a few months old. Uh, Tori was about three. And then Anita was around 13-ish. <clears throat> and we had all sit down to have dinner. And I believe it was on a Monday night. You know, I was telling the guys yesterday, I, I love, I couldn't wait to get home from a Monday practice, do my homework, and watch Monday night football. <laughs> it was nothing like Monday night <laughs> football. Cosell? Hey, oh, yeah, all the, old, uh, all the oldies. And we had dinner together. Um, you know, I remember growing up, we, you know, we had dinner about every night as a family. My mother would cook. And sometimes it wasn't what I wanted, but, you know, she cooked, and we, we ate what she cooked. And I remember we all sat down as a family, had dinner, and he just talked about how good it, you know, he had, I think, beans and cornbread, and so he loved it. 
she talked about how great our supper was, and I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's filling. <laughs> but he got up. Uh, a gentleman came by to get him. They went to their meeting, and I uh, went and did my homework. And it had to be less than an hour later. He comes in. And he goes and lays on the bed, and my mother's trying to talk to him. And I mean, he I look in there on the bed, and he's white as a ghost, and he's really in pain. And uh, so they came and picked him up. And I, you know, our family all kind of lived in the same neighborhood, so I went and stayed with a cousin about two doors down. And they, they came out and stayed with me, uh, and they all everybody else went to the hospital. And it's about um, three or four in the morning. I could hear people crying, and I, uh, I remember I was in the back bedroom, got up, and when I started down the hall, uh, my mother, my pastor, my uncle, you know, they just said, you know, he's gone, and uh, I didn't, you know, it was a shock you know, to me. Uh, he was kind of the rock in our family, and so, you know, being 16, 17 years old, and all of a sudden you lose your dad, and, you know, your mom's taking care of, you know, she's got a 16-year-old, 13-year-old, and a three-month-old. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty devastating, but you know, today, um, he has that same event and he's got a chance, but mm. back then he just didn't have mm-hmm. a chance. His heart went into a spasm and they couldn't get the, the rhythm right. And, um, you know, he just, he talked to my mom right before he passed and he just, I guess he knew, he said, just take care of my children. Mm. And, and, uh, that's the last words he said. Wow. So we, we still think about him, miss him and, um, but that's what started my journey of, you know, of, of, it just goes back to, it's just so, you know, to get a physical every year, to, to get things checked out, because uh, you want to get on any type of health issue early to give yourself a chance. And I would just recommend that highly to people. If, if I had never started following, the, the, you know, that care, then what would have happened? Because I was getting kind of worn down and felt tired a lot, just thinking, well, it's the job, it's the pressure. And I would have probably just kept going until one either had a stroke or heart attack. So we had, we had an opportunity for an intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so backing up to you said age 20, you started going That's probably regularly. One, you know, about, you know, right after college or so. I mean, you know, I was getting some checkups and all, but it seemed like it was probably – mid 20s or so when i really got serious about it you know so that's a, that's a long time and you really got serious based solely on 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 what happened with your father exactly yeah. you know yeah we would have you know i'd have never thought nothing about it and um but once you know i had some um some older men it was friends of my dad uh somewhere in the medical business and they say stayed on me. I said, man, you got to, because, I mean, it's in the family. You know, we all got something. In, there's something in our families that, you know, whether it be a cancer or heart disease or uh, uh, diabetes, you know, there's some underlying something in our, each family has something. And and, and my dad's brothers, they didn't, you know, they might have made it to 50 or so, but they had heart issues and problems. So we knew it was a problem, um, but we just didn't know how it would you know how it would affect us, so we just kept monitoring that. And any history beyond, like hit your grandparents or anything beyond? Yeah, beyond my, my mother's side was more. Um, well, my mother's side uh, was, was was a little bit of both: the heart disease and, and cancer, but a lot of heart disease. And then on my dad's side, kind of the same. So uh, it was a perfect storm uh, for me, but. 
Um, you know, it just uh, incredible what they can do now. Um, just the care and the technology and the, just the precision that they can work at and as a team. Uh, you know, they... You know, you're going into prepping for surgery, you're kind of like, I knew a lot, but I didn't know everything. And after it was over, I was like, I'm glad I didn't know everything that went with it. So, but my recovery has been, been pretty good. I'm still slow, still very cautious. Um, every little bump, sometimes, you know, you just, you know, your mind is so powerful that you have to reprogram kind of the way you think and and affirmation and then you know through scripture reading and prayer and uh, because the mental side of the healing is 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 just as important as the physical and that's things you didn't know Mm -hmm. you know i experienced about every little thing you could experience more of some than others but uh mentally speaking it, it can be very um very difficult until you can kind of get confident and that's why i think the rehab so important when you say intervention you're speaking strictly about the doctor just saying hey about the surgery i mean it's having that right that talk that uh, you know there's some some things we got to fix and uh, here's your options and once we decided on that place and we went and met with that surgeon you know, did a phenomenal. He spent a lot of time with me. He's, man, unbelievable uh, surgeon at what he does in the years. He was, I think, Doctor Guidance, or probably in seventies. You know, and I, that's what I told. Um, me and Susan talked about. I said, I want somebody with some white in their hair. I need a gray-headed person, and I need somebody that's been involved in some, uh, been under the hood yeah. a lot. And he he's, he kind of thrives. I think yes, he thrives on complex surgery. And and with with Emory being a teaching hospital, there was just so a lot for them to learn too. Uh, so uh, it's just a right. It was a right fit for me, you know, for that for this surgery. So, How, what's the time timeline on this? When did you? What what date are we talking about when you when your doctor tells you this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and was that just from a routine visit? Just or? a routine check, just um, 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 you know, ultrasound and scanning, and and just kind of having that kind of follow up. Say, you know, we got here's here's what here's your test results. This is what. Uh, um, and Dr. Chandler, he's our you know um, obviously works with us here at Clemson. You know, when he just sits down and kind of lays it out for you and says it's time. You know, it was probably, you know, I'll say quite a year ago, but it was sometime about this time of year when I would have a, you know, physical, probably more summerish. So it was a little while out. I don't actually remember the exact date. I just remember sitting there kind of by myself, kind of looking off in the distance saying, wow, you know, you think we can kick the can? We've been kicking the can down the road a little bit. Yeah. Even when I went to Emory and met with them and they did all their evaluations and testing, when I got the call from uh, Dr. Guyton, I'm thinking, man, maybe they can just say, oh, after the season, you know, maybe we can kick it that can down the road a little bit. Because he kind of, you know, you know, he was when he was talking to us, you know, I don't know if he just didn't have everything he wanted to make that call, but I felt like, yeah, we're going to be able to go a little longer. But no, he... Uh, he called and I didn't get it, and so I saw the he left a voice message and 
And I just remember listening to the message, and I think, well, this is it. And I called Susan and said, we're getting ready to go. And they got me in really quick. I was probably in there two to three weeks after that conversation. And, um, you know, we went through our um, uh, the surgery, and, um, um, you know, it was an open-heart deal. I mean, they, you know, they opened me up pretty good, and, you had to take my heart and do a lot of a lot of things to it and get all the calcium out. That was a big deal. So they, I think they had to put some kind of foam, and then they had a, a, a little ultrasonic thing. You had to kind of break up the calcium and clean it out as best he could because he had to sew those valves in. And so I think um, in the report, they give you an operation, a, a surgeon's report, and I read through it, couldn't understand half of it, but I just knew that was a lot, and it was pretty complex. It ended up going about 45 minutes longer than they had anticipated. So, But I, within 24 hours, I was on my feet walking down the hall. I mean, it might have been quicker. I just I know they get you up and start moving you around. And they give you this little pillow, I'd say, you know, with a heart. And they say, whatever you do for the next month, don't let this thing get out of your sight. And I'm thinking, well, okay, why? And they say, well, if you got a sneeze or cough, you got a brace. Mm. So you need to wrap yourself or, you know, wrap your arms around that pillow, pull it really tight when you cough or sneeze. And so I remember one time that I couldn't find it, and I had to sneeze. And I mean, it was, I mean, I, I just like, it, I was sitting down, but if I'd have been up, I'd have probably went down on the knee. And I thought, they're absolutely right. Wow. Whatever you do, you know, I'll carry that. When I'd get in the car and we'd travel or go um, back and forth to doctor visits or whatever, I had that little old pillow I took with me all the time. Wow. So, so, so doctor here lays everything out and refers you to Emory. Am I getting that right? Well, uh, they give you options. Um, you got the Mayo Clinic, which is up in Minnesota. Um, you got Duke. Um, so they they really don't tell you where to go. Then they, they recommend and um, uh, kind of, you know, your options. It's kind of your decision deciding where you want to go. Um, I had a consulting physician that, that does a lot of that um, Work as uh, just a friend uh, that just helped me out, um, uh, Dr. Dennis over at St. Francis. He was um, uh, Amy Pruitt, who's a nurse that they do a lot of valve replacement work, and that's what he does mostly. And Amy is a uh, my first cousin, and and you know was talking to her about the surgery, and and she said, well, you need to you need to come see Dr. Dennis and sit down and talk to him and. He was great. I think he really kind of he, he really helped um, me understand the surgery because I, I you know I, I didn't understand what I was getting into. So he really kind of explained everything that's going to happen and you know how much better you're going to feel and this is this is kind of the uh, things you're going to have to deal with post surgery and um, and he kind of helped guide me in these different. I mean he knew uh, a lot of different surgeons, but he. He found uh, Dr. Guyton down at Emory, and he said, hey, I like this guy. They're about the same age. He said, I, I think that's your guy, if you're interested. So that's how that happened. And um, so all you, you said you said you didn't really know much about mm-hmm. it. What did you learn, the, sort of the technical parts of it? Uh, what, what, what were you enlightened by? Well, um, 
Just that, you know, it's something that's done uh, often. I mean, it's not rare. I mean, but it's, it's you know, they, people are having valve replacement surgery every single day. Mm-hmm. So, and they just get better and better and better and better. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, people have this done every day. Now, mine's a little different. That's why I'm having to go to more of a, a research kind of hospital. Maybe they've seen more of it and they've had more cases. So that's the, 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 really the biggest difference, just going to a different place and where, where where they just saw more of it, and this doctor had, had done a lot of complex surgeries, so um, that's kind of you know going down and meeting with him and and going through everything and you know talking through it. That's kind of how I learned. Okay, this is it's it's you know percent the percentages are on my side in terms mm-hmm. of getting through and recovery. But you always have that percentage of things that can go wrong. Um, anytime they they put you under, put you on a pump, chill your body down, open you up, and then have to basically bypass, take your heart, and have to work on it, you know, and, and do all the things they need to do, ever how they do all that. They kind of showed me the procedure. I'm like, how do they do that? And then to sew you up. A little, uh, he said he's going to put a little Georgia power to it. They kept giving me a hard time uh, to get that thing fired back up and running and uh, close you up and send you on to uh, ICU. And then you're not, if you're doing well, they move you in a room really quick. Mm-hmm. So, and I got a good team here. Um, you know, Dr. Swan, uh, he's my you know personal physician. And uh, Dr. Manfredi kind of handles the electrical side, Dr. Chandler's. And, um, you know the cardiologist so I got a team of four people back here at home that I'm working with now since we've been through the surgery so just felt more comfortable getting back home and getting under these guys and um, you know I probably bug them too much because every little bump I feel I may <laughs> text them and say hey what's going on <laughs> but they've been great and have been able to get access and there's a lot of great doctors out there. I, you know, that's the first time I really had a major surgery. And just to see how much the nurses and the doctors and, and everybody involved care, and then all the things they're battling in the hospitals on top of doing surgeries, mm. you know, with all the COVID things they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can talk about frontline folks, man. Mm. They're, I mean, these are, these are heroes. Yes. I mean, phenomenal people and very dedicated to their craft and their calling. You said they said you're going to feel so much better after this. What Can you describe the ways you might have been feeling limited before? Uh, what, what does it feel like? What some of the? Yeah, I would say um, fatigue because you're not getting really good blood flow because the, the mitral valves, it, it's not opening fully. And it, on top of that, it's like snow building up. So the oculus and the valve, you got the calcium around the oculus and it's starting to shrink up with stenosis. You got the valve that's collecting the calcium. They think it was from having rheumatic fever as a child. That's mm. normally where it'll start, where you'll debo- it'll deposit some calcium in the heart. So the, the, it, probably the shortness of breath, the fatigue, and just trying to think, well, I'm just getting older. I'm in a stressful environment. Uh, I work a lot, which, you know, I love what I do. It's what I'm called to do. I'm very passionate about my work and thinking that, man, I'm just, you know, I feel like I just got to, just got to, can't try to find some energy somewhere. Well, 
with that restriction of blood flow and, and the ventricle begins to thicken, the one of the walls begins to thicken up and the way your heart pumps, it's having to work really hard, you know, to get that blood in, you know, in and out. And so that's, that's what I, well, I knew it was there, but, you know, I couldn't put the two together. Mm-hmm. And then they, that's the one thing they said, now you're going to feel like you're 16 again. I mean, you're going to feel so much better and have so much more energy and be able to breathe better. Um, and I, I can tell already, I mean, that's the one thing I can tell is I have more energy, but right now, you know, i got a governor on, so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of limited in uh, what I can do uh, in terms of physically uh, outside of the, you know, the cardiac kind of care work. You know, I'm here working every day, uh, taking care of the players, uh, but, you know, you have to kind of stay in a, uh, you know, kind of a chill mode, so to speak, in terms of not getting yourself too too elevated and uh, not getting a little discouraged by the, the, your, your, the, the procedure, the process. But it's very slow. You know, three months in, feel really good, but not 100%. So I hope, you know, every month I put behind me, you know, it's just a chance to continue to, 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 to get better, more confident, start being able to move around a little more. Still have lingering effects from, from the surgery, which is just uh, normal kind of things that you kind of at first are like, well, why is my hand numb? You know, why is my mm-hmm. upper glute still numb? Why are my toes numb? Well, it's just from surgery. And over time, these things start to, to kind of work themselves out. What did you weigh before? Oh, when I went into surgery, I was around uh, 65, 68. That's kind of when I checked in. Uh, during the surgery, at one point, they would come weigh you every night, and they'd roll a scale in, they'd get you on the scale. And I had so much fluid, they, they, they put like four tubes that come out of your, out, your, out of your stomach, and those tubes drain into... Uh, some of these boxes and they come in and they check how much fluid and they obviously they weigh you and um so i i was about it the, my highest point in the hospital i remember getting on those scales is about 288 mm. um when i left the hospital i was back around 268 265 because they kind of got you back down to where you were when you came in and then right now i'm sitting uh, i've been under 240 uh, between 37 and 38, 39 for the last six days. So, you know, we're talking 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm going down more, you know. Yeah. My goal is to get to 235, and then my goal is to get to 230. And this is just to give your heart a chance, get your blood pressure down, get leaner, and, and have more energy. What's your goal? Oh, you know, I'm there short term, but I like to get to 225. I do still carry quite a bit of muscle mass from all the years of training. So, you know, if I could get my get down to 225, then we'll just kind of go from there. But, you know, it's going to be a, it's 35, 30. Let's get to 30. Normally what I've found is you'll get around a, a, a mark and you'll kind of just hover in there. And I chart it every day. And then hopefully you can dip and, and make another run. So, um you can't starve yourself. You just have to uh, get smaller meals, take as much sodium out of the diet as you can, you know, drinking a lot of water, eating a lot of fruit, just very balanced meals. Um, and, um, you know, there's things that I love to eat, 
uh, that I, you know, right now I just don't really have a desire for because I know, you know, back then I could have it. It wasn't a big deal. Now, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of life and death food right there. So like what? Not, not, not you can't have it, but you right. just got to make it like, say, a nice cheeseburger, <laughs> double <laughs> yeah. with cheese and fries and uh, maybe do a half and half. Yeah. You know, but just, you know, now you look at it and like, well, I can have that, but I just got to go home and cook my own. You know, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a turkey burger or you can have a beef burger, but it's got to be lean. So, uh, pizza, love pizza, but if you're going to eat one, you better eat a little small one. It better be all veggie. That's no fun. You know, <laughs> you're, you're meat so lover, right. meat lover guy. <laughs> was but, your diet bad before? Like, would no, you eat a ton was, of that um, stuff? Or? wasn't terrible. I mean, I was an egg whiter and oatmeal and fruit guy in the morning. Uh, lunches, probably more subs and sandwiches, and never wasn't a big burger or lunch guy. Um, Love some meat and threes. Uh, dinner was, uh, Susan did a great job preparing meals, but you know, back you'd, you'd probably dabble a little more in some sweets than you should and overeat, over supplement, uh, probably drinking more shakes and more vitamins than probably I really needed. So just kind of going back to ground zero, going back to scratch, and just kind of starting over, and and just slowly implementing new strategies in terms of you know what what your body really needs and what it don't need. You said you were just sort of staring off into space when doctor tells you sort of the gravity of it. What was it? Can you tell me what it was like going home to tell your family? Well, I, you know, I called you know Susan and I said, hey, we're we're up. We're, we're going for this surgery, and and the whole thing is just like, man, this just got real. And, and in a sense, I was a little, I was I was nervous, but it was in a nervous excitement because I knew that based on conversation with people that had been through it, and the confidence that that Amy gave me, and uh, Doctor Denny, the confidence I gained from what them saying, hey, you're gonna feel much better. Um, when it's all said and done, so I was very confident that hey, this is going to be okay. But you know, it's, a, it's it's complex, so you know that's why you're that's why you're heading down there. And I remember calling the boys and telling them, and you know, they were kind of hey, you got to go, you got to get it done. You know, they kind of that sports minded background, say hey, let's go do it. And uh, to me, I just thought, boy. Uh, this thing's getting real, and I never will forget uh, the day of the surgery. They told me, said, "Listen, you're be here at five thirty, and you'll be the first one up." And of course, didn't sleep much the that night. Got in there, um, and it's just kind of dark in this room, and it's just me and Susan, and you see a couple other patients kind of, you know, coming in, sitting, you know, everybody's sitting around. I'm thinking, I wonder what he's in here for. I wonder what she's in here mm-hmm. for. And the lady comes over and said, "Listen, we had a here's this. Uh, we we had to back you. We had to we had to move it so you're not going at five thirty. You're gonna be going around. So it's five hours around ten eleven ish. So now you're in you know you're in holding. It's kind of like oh man. And then you say oh god. Now it's probably the worst part. Just sitting there waiting and seeing them coming out, talking to couples and the couples hugging and people walking off. And you're just like hey, mm-hmm. I got to do that in a few minutes." Uh, I hope in a few minutes and finally they came out and got me and um, and I just remember you know I gave Susan a big hug and 
she took a left and the nurse took me and I took a right and I remember going through these big doors and I'm just like I mean I'm kind of like man this is this is this is happening you know um, I think one of the to me was a funny uh, you know I'm in my bed and you know you kind of got your little gown on and stuff and then the nurse walks in and said Mr. Batson said men you're getting ready to be become very good friends here and I said well I mean hey, that's good I'm nice to meet you she said no we gotta we're gonna have to shave you down <laughs> and so you're <laughs> that yeah, close I said, oh I see what you're talking about I mean it was great I mean she was she was just great but you know I didn't know I said hey I was nice to meet you and she said no we're here you know kind of explained everything and so we did what we had to do there and Kind of got ready, and then the um, a guy came and prepped me from anesthesia, and he had all these things laid out, and he's putting, I mean, he's putting stuff in me all up and down each arm, and I'm thinking, good night. And so I'm, you know, I'm a little nervous, so I'm just trying to make conversation with him, and you know, he was talking a little bit, and after a while, I got to thinking, you know, this old guy, he's um, he's pretty serious about his job. I think I'm gonna leave him alone because I mean, he was just locked in. I mean, he was locked in. He would answer and talk, but I, after a while, I'm thinking, this dude's game day for this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's focused. So I said, oh, I'm gonna leave him alone. And so finally, they came and uh, came to the room and said, it's time to go. And I remember, you know, that bed kind of moving down the hallways, and, and I just remember. And one thing I did ask the anesthesiologist, I said, listen, I had rather not get in that room and lay there very long. I said, I'd kind of like to be kind of close to sleep before. So mm-hmm. I just don't want to go in there and kind of have to look, look at all this stuff. He goes, oh, no, we'll, we'll, you'll be, see, we'll get you out really quick. So you won't, you'll be fine. And I remember kind of going through some doors and, and every, 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 it seemed like every door I went through, it got brighter mm. and it's got my, I saw more stainless. And all of a sudden, that is my mind. I said, I can't say it. I don't want to say it exactly how I said, but I said, boys, this stuff just got real. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no turning back here. Mm-hmm. And um, but I was, I was really at peace with it. I, I never was crazy nervous. I, I had prayed about it. Um, my eye doctor, Doctor Brad Williams, man, Doctor Williams. He, he, you know, we prayed together and we would share scriptures together, and he would encourage me and. And uh, a lot of people just encouraging and praying for you. I had so many emails and text messages. I, I mean, I, I tried to hit everybody back, but I, I know I miss people. And if I did, I'm sorry. It, it was just uh, just the overwhelming the the number of people just through coaching you know, 30 plus years and just friends. And uh, to me, that's what kept kept you going through some some pretty dark times because they are dark times there's some there's some things there mentally that um that you got to overcome and, and you will overcome it but you can't try to be a, can't be a tough guy you just got to mm. take the help and, you, and seek the help and tell them what's going on so you can work through that stuff so um that's kind of how that went so what is that stuff if you don't mind me yeah crying i think um you know, you're going to have some depression. I mean, I think that just comes with, with, with the surgery. I would say you're going to have anxiety. You're going to have a lot of, um, you know, some anxiety, some uncertainty. Um, insomnia was terrible. Um, first, I don't think I slept more than two or three hours at one time for over a month. Uh, your food doesn't taste, the, you know, it just don't taste right. And you don't have an appetite at all. Have no appetite, can't sleep. 
you're very uncomfortable. It's hard to get comfortable. Um, but these things just slowly, with with the different people that I had had been through it, that were that I would call, they'd call me and check on me. They were able to kind of guide me and say, "Hey, when you get through this little stage right here, and this is kind of what's coming." Um, so then you can kind of work through that stage. So you under they they've been there and done it. So then you understand kind of why you feel the way you do, um, and and kind of how to prep yourself mentally for each little phase that you go through. Um, Danny Poole said, you know, it's kind of like that type of surgery. It's kind of like having an ACL. It's just a long process, and it is a process. You can't don't think you can beat it i mean you just got to stay step for step with everything they're telling you to do and don't as as, as they say in football you know you 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 know we always try to um kind of play ahead of the sticks you know we want to be on schedule but in in this game you want to stay on schedule but you can't get too far out and being in athletics and being a coach um, all these years and you know you want to push you know you just want to keep pushing but then you're having to pull yourself back, saying, well, I don't know. That's very smart, you know. So, Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. I can't get out of my mind just the nature of who you are with your profession. I mean, there's a there's a fourth quarter video every every home game that that is based on fighting through mm-hmm. and pushing through and being a warrior and 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 that's the opposite of listen to your body and mm-hmm. and and slow down. I'm, I think of an interview we had, I had with Justin Foster as he was talking about what he went through. He was didn't have the energy to 
to do what he needed to do, working out and all that. And it was that battle between, wait a minute, I've always been taught to fight through pain and fight and and, and not show weakness and and not listen to, uh, I guess the more human side of of, of advice and mm-hmm. or or my conscience. I guess can, can you maybe was that a, a big part of your battle in that you're just not programmed but that but who you are mm-hmm. with, with all your your kids out here like that's what yeah. you, you you try to wire them to to be mm-hmm. the opposite of that does that make any sense my last workout with these guys um i think it was on a friday and we had finished up we always go around five thirty, get through around seven thirty. And I remember um, we were just kind of cleaning up, and they all come up and huddle up, and we put on some music, and they kind of have a, you know, it's kind of like a post game. It's almost a celebration of the week and what they've done. And and so um, Darren Rencher and Jamie Skowski called me up and said, hey, come up here, coach. We're going to pray over you. And uh, they all were standing around. I get in the middle, and I just promised them one thing. I said, hey, I'll go fight. I'm, I'm going to go fight. For, I'm going to go fight with everything I got, boys. And, I'll see you back here in a few weeks. And, um, and then they they prayed, and, um, you know, and, um, you know, it's just, just, you know, just I never solicited that. I had no idea. And so when somebody was looking at the security cameras from this end over here, when they were shooting down, they, they went through and they, they, they took the picture, and when they – took the picture they took a little red pen and outlined the way the team was and it was shaped like a heart mm, amazing and um I, I can show it to you. it's pretty amazing. cool you know it's like this it's the, the 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 silhouette is a silhouette of a heart the way the team was around me and i was like man wow. that's cool right there that just really gave me a lot of a lot of confidence i thought that was very cool and um that hey this, this thing's gonna be okay and um you know, there's people in there a lot sicker than I am. There's people that's going through a lot tougher situations, and um, I just felt like, hey, this is this is my battle, and this is what the Lord has for me, and it's just going to make me stronger, going to make me feel better, so I continue, you know, can continue to do what I love to do. So. When you told them you'd be back in a few weeks, did you believe that? I did. Um, you know, they they told me that uh, after six weeks that you'd be able to go do office work, so just light office duty. And really, after six weeks, I'm like, I got six weeks. I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't even. I'm having a hard time setting up at the house. But um, but you know, I started. I came back and I just started doing like a, a day and off a day, on a day, off a day, and just trying to kind of clean up from the summer. I got back at the very tail end of summer, so I got to watch the guys train a little bit. And um, so I just started, when camp started, I just, you know, kind of was doing, started doing a little bit every day. And so slowly over time, I just kept building up, you know, my endurance. And for me, the big, the biggest event of since June 10th was Georgia, because that was a long day on your feet. Um you know the emotion mm. but that, that was a big test for me but i knew i had prepared myself and prepped myself for it that i would be okay and if i felt any way i could always go to the locker room and you know just put my feet up for a little while so um did did pretty good through that um and other than you know the result obviously ain't the result we wanted but you know now it's just um that gave me some confidence to be able to go into each game knowing that, hey, you're going to be okay. 
um, you just got to make sure you do a good job of managing your emotions and your energy. Um, and there's no four quarter video. There's, you know, it's just I, I'm just kind of like I said. There's a governor there that I there's a there's it's just limited, um, you know, in what I can do. I mean, I'm in here two days a week with the team. Uh, you know, we start training around six thirty and go about three hours, and then we go to staff meetings, and then we come back and train another. 45 minutes or so and then we go to team meeting and then we're back this is our developmental group back here now training them for a good hour before uh before we start practice and then you got a you know a couple hours of practice whatever day it is and then you got post practice and then you got to get ready for the next day so our week's really heavy up front monday and then each day just you know the hours kind of come down so by by Friday, you know, when it's a home game, you got a little more time. You can recover to get ready for Saturday. So when you're going into the Georgia game, what are the signs that you're looking for to tell you I'm doing too much or I need to go back to a room and yeah. sit? Is it fatigue or? Well, um, the biggest thing is when you're on your feet, you still get a little bit of swelling in your ankles, um, maybe in your hands. I think the – just the the I was so it was just so exciting to be in the atmosphere, you know, to feel all that energy, to feel all that life, you know. It just mm-hmm. kind of just man, it was just a it's a rush, you know. It made me I felt normal again. I felt like you know this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, obviously, you own some medicines that regulate your heart in terms of how the beats and then the nerves and the heart. So you've got help you got help in your pocket you know if you if you feel like you've getting a little bit of you know a little getting a little too much here or there you got something you could take to kind of knock the edge off but you know i'm i fight that a lot because i don't want to i'm trying to work through it through breathing and relaxing and um letting my quiet in my mind more than but sometimes you can't you know sometimes you just gotta take a little something to kind of help you help you out but to me the georgia that first game you know, it was probably the first time i just felt alive in mm-hmm. terms of just who i am and what i do and the environment that i'm in and you know this is what i do this is who i am and you know it's just i was very comfortable in that but uh i in, in, again it was just keeping yourself level-headed calm trying to enjoy the moment and obviously it didn't go like we wanted it to but just being back in the environment around all those people and just was was a good thing and the pre-surgery joey batson on game day on the sideline are you super wired and oh yeah yeah more i'm more wired i was you know and I'll get back to, you know, I'll eventually get back to where I'll, you know, be able to, you know, be a little more vocal. I did get excited at George a couple of times, and, you know, my son was like, man, you know, he was kind of staying with me the whole time, being because he was helping us a little bit with some special teams, mainly numbers and counting and making sure we got everybody. So he was with me the whole time, and he kept asking me, you know, you okay? You? I said, yeah, I feel pretty good. I'd move away from the crowd. I'd move, you know, when the offense was down, I'd kind of get away from everybody and defense, vice versa. But, um, you know, it was just just good to be back. And I'd say, 
you know, eventually you'll get back to where you kind of got that that fire. But right, you know, I, I got a lot of fire in there. You know, it's just not, you know, it's it's um, it's just limiting, and it's hard because I had to do it myself. Nobody mm-hmm. else can. Nobody else can do it for me. You know, I can go out here and and start ranting and raving and pitching a fit and doing all that. Um, but I got a staff that right now that's kind of taking care of that when they need it. So until that time comes again, you know, I just got to be smart. But yeah, you know, I I look back and you know, you we all think we got to drink all these energy drinks and all this coffee and all. And I told my wife this morning, I said I. I got so much energy now, I don't even think about it. I drink decaffeinated coffee, decaffeinated tea, and water. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel great. I used to have to drink coffee all day and grab an energy drink or two before a game and all, but I, you know, really was doing myself more harm than good. So, You think you were just uh, burning the candle at both ends work-wise and just using the caffeine to, to just keep you going? Is yeah, that, I think so. You know, it was... Um, it's probably people that do a lot more of it, but yeah, you know, I was, I was, you know, in this business, especially what we do, because we, you know, our summers are full, then our fall is full, our winter's pretty packed, and then our spring's busy. So there's not a lot of gaps. You know, there are some gaps built into the to the year, but for from that age of 25, from 25 to to 60, you you've just been, you know, you've been cooking. And it, you know, probably catches up with you a little bit. But I think the heart issues what got me. It wasn't necessarily the mental or the physical or the desire to be the best and to bring it. It was more my heart was just slowing me down. But I didn't know that. I knew it was a problem, but I didn't realize it had slowed me down that much. Um, and I wasn't listening. You know, a lot of times doctors they'll, they'll you know they they'll try to give you a good plan to. To, to you know, you need to do this, 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 this. You need to, and you kind of like, okay, and you just do it for a week or two, and then you go right back to your old ways. And you know, after a while, that catches up with you. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a day of they, there's a payday, and you're gonna pay for it. And so, you know, that that day came for me where um, it, it didn't. You know, it would have mattered maybe if I could have changed some dietary habits, if I'd have lost some weight, that would have helped. But I was so much into the heavy lifting and, and you know, my background was power lifting and being around big people all the time. I like trying to move heavy stuff, pick up heavy things. And so over time, that's what, you know, it's what kind of got me. And I had a gentleman years ago, uh, just out of the blue, uh, I, I can't think of his name. It's been 20 years. He had wrote a book called 70, The New Young. And he said, listen, I want to come by and talk to you. I'd love to spend some time with you. And I was like, ah, man, I, we were busy. So finally I said, hey, come on. So, you know, we couldn't, he, we was waiting on him to show up that day. And we kept thinking, where's he at? Where's he at? And kept looking out the door. And finally I saw a guy walking up through there, looked like from Woodstock. Had long gray hair. I said, man, I said, that ain't him. And he walked up and introduced himself. I said, that's him. <laughs> And uh, I'm telling you, God, he looks phenomenal. He was about 70-something years old and super lean, super flexible. I mean, the way he could move and jump, and I was just impressed. And, and he said it all comes down. If I could give anybody any, advi- any advice, it would be the older you get, the lighter you need mm. to get. 
he said, what happens, people just keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier. He said, at some point, you got to turn. And uh, he was a guy back in the whatever year it was. He was a bodybuilder and got into Pilates and different things. And But he, uh, he was phenomenal in terms of way he could move and jump. And he showed us some different floor exercises and things we could do just for mobility, flexibility, and to develop long muscle. And uh, then we just kind of lost touch with him through the years. And uh, but I never will forget that that statement. No, if you want to live a long life and you know, without any type of accident or anything, you continue to lose weight. You get lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And he says, if you do that, your body will be more efficient. Take as much pressure off your heart as you can. Continue to stay active. Continue to do resistance type training. And um, he said, you'll be fine. But he had a picture of him when he was probably 20s, mid to late 20s, running down the beach. And, I mean, I'm like, guys, got he looks great. And then he had a picture right beside it of him running down the beach when he's about 70. And the only difference was just the muscle mass in terms of how the, the thickness he was. But he was super lean, abs, the whole deal. I was like, wow. wow. So during this whole time, you've been in a – a compromised situation during a pandemic and you don't have the luxury of locking yourself in your house. You're around a hundred plus young people. And the, even though we're in a much better spot now with vaccinations and all that, Mm -hmm. it still has to be a concern. What has that been like navigating that and Mm -hmm. sort of, uh, sort of, yeah, I mean, last year was like in the summer. I remember the first summer session the year before last, you know, when it really hit, um, um, man, we were, you know, we were losing, God, I don't know how many players. It was like every week somebody was testing positive or asymptomatic. So the first summer session, we were down to like, you know, uh, 20 guys and Trevor. I mean, I was going to say, hey, we got nobody here. <laughs> summer two, it got better. And I just didn't really think about it. I, I did all the things that, that I was told by some medical people to, you know, vitamin C, your zinc, your D3. Uh, just make sure you're getting, you know, good dosages of that and then just eating really good and and protecting yourself in a crowd. And so that's what what I did. And then you know, it calmed down a little bit last, you know, what was it? In the spring, you know, it calmed down. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear a lot about it. So that's when we were getting ready to go in for surgery. So I didn't really think about it. And then when I came out of surgery and then about, a, you know, by – a month after surgery it all ramps back up again you know so i don't really think i do think about it every day but i do try to be smart i mean i'm out there with the kids we're all i like to test a little bit more um i just want to be sure but you know they got protocols and testing in place and so everybody's you know constantly being evaluated and um and uh, so i you know, I just kind of, you know, I don't, there's other things that I'm kind of dealing with with the post-surgery stuff. That's one I don't think about, but I definitely wouldn't want to get sick right sure. now, for sure. You know? So when you're out there presiding over a, a workout, I guess the volume is just down from its previous levels with um, you, and, and you and you delegate that to, well, to others? Well, it's in season. We're in season yeah. now. So the summer's a little more... Little more, I'd say, 
I think violent, but it's just a little more intense. There's more in season is more. Re- they're strength based, but it's still more recovery. It's not as uh, you got bigger, got smaller groups, but more groups. So the your client, you know, your groups are really uh, smaller. Um, you just, you know, it's just a different feel. You know, you kind of change positions with the the coaches become kind of the, the 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 bad guys in a sense, and you kind of flip roles. And you're trying to, you are more of an encourager, you know, how you feeling, we got to get you back, you know, with strength training, the whole deal. But um, you don't push them, Lord, you know, and push them close to as hard as you do because football, you know, it's football season. And so we just really try to be smart with how we, we train them and how much we do. And it's 130 plus guys and, um, you know they're all different. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different needs. Everybody's <clears throat> dealing with some type of aches and pains, and so each coach is responsible for about twenty-five guys, and he manages those guys. Yeah, I was just speaking mainly of how much you're having to govern yourself uh, when when you're presiding over workouts yeah, and yeah, things I like just that. Normally, um, I'll just give. Um, you know, only if it's a few announcements. You know, it's kind of what we're doing today. And once they get in here, we just kind of go to work, and coaches take their groups, and everybody's doing their thing. So, you know, it's not as much um, yelling and screaming as you get in the, in the summer because um, you're having to push harder in the summer. Tempo of training's different. You know, having to move them from a weight room to the to the field to condition, or moving from the field to back in here, two hour sessions as opposed to now maybe a thirty minute session. You know, it's just a lot shorter and quicker. I remember when I first met you back in I guess around two thousand four. You were over in your little Jervy mm-hmm. office, and it was pretty much just you. I think. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe a couple of others. And what do you, do you ever think about? Man, what if this would have happened? Back then, when you didn't have such a great support mm-hmm. network under you, yeah. back then we had me, Coach Mendoza, Coach Sisk. There was three full-time coaches, and Coach Greenley was a GA for us. And we had another GA, so about, and we had about probably a staff of maybe seven-ish, but three only three full-time coaches. But we had all the sports, you know, except for basketball. So, you know, that would have been that would have been a lot tougher to do um but the, you know it's always a deal that you find a way you know everybody mm-hmm. finds a way everybody picks up you know everybody gets delegated something that they wasn't uh, they were not doing prior to and then you know they just take those responsibilities and run with them and when you get back you just kind of slowly take those responsibilities back from those people kind of lighten their load back up so they can do what they do and uh, put some things back on your plate that you need to that you're responsible for. What's it like telling Coach Sweeney, "This is what I got going on," and yeah. and I guess how understanding has he been through yeah, the whole great. process? I, I think at first he was kind of like, "Wow, really?" You know, I mean, he was kind of like, "Wow, that's uh, man, what's that? What you know?" He was just wanting to know more of kind of you know, you know, are you doing okay? And um, man, you know, just kind of asking questions about it, and then finally. Well, I was prepping him because I said, "Hey, I may have to do this," and then finally had to walk in and say, "Hey, I'm I'm up," and um, just kind of how what kind of timeline you're looking at. It wasn't more for getting back, getting to work. It was just more for them to just know. It was like, "What's your okay? Six weeks, I'll be gone," and, and then uh, after six weeks, I'll start kind of working my way back in. And 
you know, with the understanding that, you know, he was great. You know, he said, just pace yourself. You know, we got a lot of help here. Got a great staff. You just keep, you know, do what you got to do. And we know you'll get, you'll be, you're going to be better than ever. Uh, but it's been very encouraging. Yeah, very encouraging. Looking back, how did you get through losing your father when you're in high school? And oh man, um, you know that took a long time because it was a shock. He was kind of the rock of our family. Uh, he was the rock of the community. He was Mr. A personality. You know, uh, was a you know back in the day, you know, them guys would work all all week, coach our rec teams work half day on Saturday mm-hmm. in the summer would come home take his tie off and would be out pushing the lawn more cutting grass with his work clothes on and his dad gum you know uh, whatever shoes he wore wouldn't he put on t- <laughs> I mean just hard I mean yeah. just a hard dude and uh, he just that's they grew up different and um, and it happened during football season and it happened during the biggest week of football season and so that was very, you know, it just took a long time um, because originally, you know, I went to the Citadel originally, and I loved it down there. I loved being with Coach Baker. He was a head coach and loved my teammates, and I liked everything about it. Um, but I couldn't get home. So my dad had only been passed only about a year, and so I had a, a year, uh, one a year, little over a year old and a 14-, 15-year-old at home, and my mother – and it just I couldn't get home because once you're down there, you're there, you mm-hmm. know, for a semester. And so I just really, really missed them a lot, and just wanted to be back around them. So that's when I transferred and went to several different schools there. But um, the the way the semester was, Newberry was kind of my best fit at the time. And even other schools I went, I liked them all, but I could get in school right away. So I just went there. And, you know, decided to finish up, made some good friends, had some other guys from the Citadel who had, had, had transferred in, but that way I was home just about every weekend, a little closer to them, uh, to my family, to my mom. So, you know, I think if my dad would, you know, continued to to live, and that would have been, I'd, I'd probably stayed mm-hmm. for sure. But you know, just hard to focus and 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 knowing them, them being home, and you're. You know, it's like everybody would tell you, you know, now you're the man of the home and you got to do this. They know now it's a lot on the kids, and then kids go through it. Um, it does put a lot of pressure on you. Um, but you just, you know, you, you kind of find a way to work through it, still think about him. I got a, you know, here's a little picture right here when he was running for mayor. That's just a few. Hmm. That's my sister. He died just a few weeks after that picture was taken. Hmm. And so I'm just reminded every day. I think the thing that my mom and dad had such a phenomenal work ethic um, and, and, and a, a tremendous faith. And, and they gave you, you know, it's like my mom said the other day. She said, you know, we didn't give you all a lot of material things, but we had everything we wanted. But we gave you a, a work ethic and a deep abiding faith that, um, you know, it's going to last through eternity. And. And I, I thought we had a lot, you know, but, you know, compared to today, I guess. But I didn't know. We just did what we did and had what we needed and and enjoyed. You know, we had, it was more family time, cousins and 
every, you know, we just did more stuff as families together than we really do now. I don't know. Just life was a little more simpler back in the 70s, maybe. You think your kids, knowing what you went through, losing your father, have a pretty powerful appreciation for the fact that you're sitting here? Yeah, right now. I, you know, I, I think so. I hope so, because I, I thought about it going in. I mean, if just you know, if you have some complications, or how will they respond? You know, how will they respond? And probably similar to the way I responded, just you know, devastated, hurt, but encouraged and challenged to. You know, there's a legacy there that it goes back some few generations of just hardworking people with a deep of abiding faith that set the example not perfect people made mistakes but they know what it looks like you know and that was handed down to from my father and my mother to me and hopefully what me and susan have been able to uh, display in our home is that that's what they see and so you know that would be to them comforting, and then all the great memories, just the uh, through all the, the years of athletics and the championships and the times together and the vacations. We have a collage of pictures behind just me and Susan. Now we have a little collage of pictures through all the years right there where we have, eat breakfast. And this morning she turned around and she said, "Boy, I miss my boys." I said, "Well, they're not too far away. One's in Atlanta and one's about you know eighteen miles down the road." <laughs> And we just sat there and looked at those pictures and talked about all those different events and just said, you know, that was just, that was incredible. You know, how fast, that, oh, you know, how fast time is, is, uh, is, is gone. And, but just the great memories, I mean, just great moments and memories. And, um, and that's the thing that, like, I go back and look at pictures of our family, that that's what they have. They'll have tremendous memories that, you know, will continue to drive them forward. You know, we talk in football about having a windshield mentality. You know, you got to keep your eyes off the rearview mirror, especially in season. You just keep pressing forward. But sometimes it's good to take a glimpse and, and just see all the different little memorial stones along the way that your kids will be able to see. They got to stay focused forward, moving forward, but there'll be great memories. And, um, and they know what it looks like. They know how to do it. And because we maybe we did some things right as parents as well. How old did you say you were? Uh, 60. 60. And you've been at Clemson for, you said. This is my 25th season. 25th season. What is it like to be a part of one of the greatest stories in college football history? Oh, man. Um, you know, Coach Sweeney brought that deep belief that it can be done because it had been done here before. And we hear it all the time. He just believed that we could do it. And he pounded that in us every single day. It's, it's you got to believe, and then you got to put some 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 action to it. And he just built a program of, of based on a philosophy and a belief, and what he believed in a culture and how it was to be um, executed. And then once you build that foundation, you know you just keep building on that foundation. You just keep building and building. And you know, I, I just you know, I jumped in there with him i sit beside him when he was an assistant coach and then one day i walk in he's sitting at the head table and I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> so um 
really been phenomenal because at some point, I think in every coach's career or business person, or they they look at people that's won championships or having great success, and they're thinking, I'm working as hard as they are. I'm doing everything they're doing. But you always think it's for somebody else. Mm. You know, you always think, well, it's just that just for somebody else. Well, if I was at this school or if mm-hmm. I was at that school, if I had these resources, if but what coach helped me to understand that it, it is for you and, and, and but you just got to go out and do what it takes to, to get there and that's what we did and um, it's been incredible I mean it's just it's phenomenal and every year's a new year uh, every team's different and you just start to um, you know, you, you, you've got a culture and a, uh, a foundation in place, but you still got to tear everything down to the foundation and rebuild. And then, like Coach says, by the end of the year, we'll just see what kind of house we built. And we did a nice job and built a beautiful home and had a special year. Either we didn't do a great job. So, um, but I'd say the belief that it can be done and the faith and the positivity and the mindset that it just takes to be a great leader and then being a servant leader. So I think all those qualities uh, that he, he that he displays, you know, it drives the culture, drives it forward and keeps you motivated and excited. Not that you're not motivated, but it just keeps you pressing, um, you know, to get better. Anything I've missed about your story? Anything, last thing you'd like to share? Uh, no, I, I'm... Um, I just appreciate the opportunity sure. uh, to share it. Um, like I said, if there's anything I'd tell people, it's just you know really do a nice job of uh, getting your physicals, taking care of yourself, and and, and um, because the quicker they can diagnose and the quicker you can get some intervention and help, the better your odds and chances are going to be. And I'm afraid too many people are so busy, they just keep waiting and waiting and waiting until that when, when the symptoms show and you really start having problems, then you know possibly could have waited a little, little longer than you should. So um, Coach Sweeney is really hits us hard as a staff to get you physical before football starts. Make sure you're, you're in a good place physically um, so you can be in a good place mentally. Um, but that's what I would say. And then just your, you know, just your faith, um, you know, really just, um, you know, when you <laughs> when you have an, a kind of a, an, a, an event like that, which you just you realize that how fragile life is. And you'll see those T-shirts that you see coaches where it says now mm-hmm. talking about living now, living in the moment. And I think a lot of times we're too worried about you know, it's okay to plan. You know, I mean, you got to plan. You got to have a plan. You got to prepare. But just living in that moment, enjoying those moments, enjoying today, enjoying the things of this day, um, and just hey, good Lord gets us up in the morning. We'll just have another great day. So you got to get to practice. I'm sure. I'll get ready for it. Thank you so oh, much. Oh yeah, yeah. About that time. That <laughs> I don't want to get good. yelled at for, t- yeah, for keeping be, you too long. Bad, that wouldn't be good for me today. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. To, yes, sir. To, to I appreciate be. you. Um, have me out. Thank you. All right. I tell you, covering sports is college football is is really fun. The games and all that. 
But what really hits deep, at least from my perspective, is when you can tell the stories of people, whether through the written word or the spoken word, being able to share these personal stories is something uh, just value really highly. So appreciate Joey Batson for sharing with us. Also appreciate Football Communications Director Ross Taylor for facilitating this access. And all the best to Joey Batson uh, and a Clemson institution and his family uh, as they move forward. Appreciate the support of our sponsors. And also, most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting play every week. Really appreciate it. Everybody have a great and safe weekend. Cheers. Cheers.